Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Martha Lawton. Today, I'm delighted to welcome back clinical psychologist Dr. Jane Major. We're going to be talking about where generosity meets manipulation in the form of grand gestures and expensive gifts. A topical one, given that we're coming up towards Christmas and lots of people are thinking about what they are going to buy as presents. Before we start... I'd like to ask our regular listeners a quick question. Is there any episode that's really helped you? Has anything been especially meaningful or given you an insight into your own or someone else's behaviour that's made a real difference? If so, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at hello at squanderlustpod.com or you can let us know on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at squanderlustpod. Okay, Jane, for those of our listeners who haven't yet heard the awesome episode we did together on Money Secrets and More Fool Them, can you introduce yourself, please? Yes, so I'm Jane. I'm a clinical psychologist and I've specialised in relationship issues and trauma. Amazing. Thank you so much. And as I said, you were previously with us to talk about money secrets and how they affect people's relationships and we highly recommend people go back and listen to that episode if they haven't done it already. Um, So we are talking today about gifts and particularly grand gestures and expensive gifts. So what are we meaning by talking about those sort of grand gestures or expensive gifts? I guess we're thinking about when it can feel kind of bigger than what someone's expecting when expectations haven't been managed so it's overwhelming to the financial circumstances of either the giver or the receiver. Yeah I think for me it's all about what's relative to the income or the wealth of the people involved whether it's the giver or the receiver or indeed potentially both as well. Um, Something that has a kind of high price tag given the financial circumstances. Um, I was really hoping to get an insight into this. I think this is going to be an interesting episode personally for me because this is quite alien to me. I I didn't grow up in a household where we had a very extravagant gift-giving culture. We showed affection in lots of different other ways. 
Um, mm. But sort of big gifts and grand gestures are something that I'm not used to and it's made me quite uncomfortable. So I'm interested to explore this topic and think about, you know, am I justified in that discomfort or is that just something that is um, like a personal quirk, really? So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this one. <laughs> Yeah, really interesting topic, especially when we can struggle to understand our own motivations and our own emotions and to communicate them. It's all tied up in gift giving because it's a form of communication. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to start, I guess, with that discomfort because it's, it's, it's kind of what's in my head, I guess, first of all. And then we can kind of explore a bit more about um other people's feelings and thoughts and why I might not necessarily, I don't know, might not necessarily be coming at this from a good angle. But I guess where I always come from with this is like, if it's, it's something about the reciprocity aspect. So if a gift is really high for the giver, then if I were the one receiving, I would think, well, how can they afford that? Am I, do they feel that obligated to give me something that then puts them in a distressed position in some way. Mm. And then if it's high for the person who's on the receiving end, like how could they repay? Would they feel obligated then to try and repay in kind at a point where, you know, they can't necessarily reciprocate at at an equal level? So I guess, yeah, on both sides of it, it brings up this kind of feeling of like imbalance that, I find difficult to think about. So a lot of discomfort. Yeah. What's someone's intention? What's their context? And it can be really difficult if it's, oh, how do I talk about this with feelings of shame but not wanting to offend someone else? Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's there's a whole sort of uh, sense of how can we actually have a good conversation about this when, you know, if it's given with a generous spirit, but you're worried about whether somebody could afford it, or if you, yeah, if you're not certain about being able to repay in kind and what the expectations are, it's, it's the gift is sort of communicating something, but you're, if you're not sure what the communication is on some level. <laughs> and do I feel safe enough to ask? Yeah, is this absolutely. a relationship where this can be done? And would I be the best person to do this, for example, if it's your partner's mum? Yeah. Yeah, as a as a perfect example, like yeah, how do you have a conversation around whether this gift was the right size of gift and what people's expectations are? Especially if it's kind of done back to front. If mm, there's no okay. expectation management before the gifts are given, mm. there's no discussion around it about what's people's context, what are we expecting, how do we plan it? Even though that might sound very unromantic and lacking surprise, <laughs> Once the gifts are given, it can feel even more difficult. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think people have different gift giving cultures, even between families and between households and, and things. And it's it's interesting. I mean, you, you you get different gift cultures in different countries, of course. Mm. Um, and that's a whole separate thing. But even just within one country, then one area, you can get completely different kind of gift cultures. Um, and it can be... It can be really quite fraught. And then I guess on a personal level, I also worry a little bit that the intention isn't always good, that somebody might be trying to buy something from somebody else or put somebody in their debt with a really Mm. big gift. And that definitely puts me on edge. So I get a bit like, oh. Well, there can be that fear of 
if I can't repay this financially, is mm. there an expectation I give something equal, either financially, materially, or, or physically? Mm. Yeah, or, or even or even emotionally. Like, am I expected to to give of my my time, my energy, and my care mm. to this person, or be very forgiving of some of other behaviour? So. I was certainly brought up a little bit with a suspicion that somebody who goes in for a lot of grand gestures and big expensive gifts is trying to sort of buy a pass for other kinds of bad behaviour or day-to-day neglect. Mm. It was not a sign necessarily of care, but actually of a warning sign for somebody who would be uncaring if they gave kind of big, big gifts. And Mm. even that it might be something sort of shallow and self-aggrandizing like the person who was doing the giving is more showing off that they can afford to give than they are being generous towards the person that they're giving to so yeah it's potentially a minefield of assumptions isn't it yeah that we all make based on our experience and the filters through which we see the world Mm. Mm. and if we don't know someone's context or can't communicate with them we could really get the wrong end of the stick yeah, yeah, and really totally. affect a relationship. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I, I come at this with a lot of suspicion. And I, I'm not certain that it's justified. I, I do know that to some extent it, it could be. Mm. It is a known manipulation tactic to give very generously, very early in a relationship, to put somebody into kind of a feeling of debt. So it is something that I know that manipulative people do, but it's also that that level of suspicion, mate. I, I'm not certain that it's really fully justified. <laughs> no, and it's interesting, isn't it, the word manipulation? Because it's also how much insight does someone have into their own motivation? Like on a superficial level, they might think, I just want you to like me. But on a deeper level, on an unconscious level, there could be much more going on. Mm, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Go into that a little bit more. That's really interesting. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, we're we're talking about maybe I was mentioning before a gift is given. Mm. How can we manage expectations, like you say, with Christmas coming up? Mm. But it requires some kind of ability to reflect, doesn't it? On, for example, what are my intentions in giving this gift? What might my motivations be? And to understand my emotions and express them or to have the courage to ask someone else. Mm. And I think sometimes we're just not able to see that. Like I'm going to talk to you about an example of when I was younger late, uh, later on and I just didn't have the emotional insight to think about what was my gift buying about, like about my inadequacies and feeling unattractive or unloved. It was something I wanted to think about on a superficial level because I felt quite inadequate and shame was there. I mean, you've, you've started the conversation, so I think... <laughs> I think we should go there. Go straight in. Yeah. I mean, if you're ready to do it, tell, tell people, give us give us the other side of the story. Because I think that's, you know, I've just sort of dumped a whole load of, of negativity onto people who, who give big gifts. And they but could potentially me. be still, you know, just because I'm going to give an example from one perspective, which is mine. Of course, we've got to think that some people may use gifts in an inappropriate way. But I guess, so my example is a kind of my first serious relationship, both students, so on one level something that seems similar, but very different socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm. So mine was much more working class, his was more upper middle class, and that was never acknowledged between us, other than jokes about different accents, different types of schools. Um, it was a power differential, right. that and gender, that really wasn't acknowledged. Mm. 
And I'd say we struggled talking about both, not just our finances, but also our feelings. Yeah. And I can only speak from my part. I definitely felt very inadequate about my financial situation, which Mm. at that time included quite a lot of badly managed debt. I was quite embarrassed about that. Wasn't something I thought he would understand. So I kept it a secret. And instead of being upfront and saying, I can't afford that, Mm. I'd go along with nice holidays or gifts but in fact a step bigger than that I'd suggest things we could do (laughs) and buy gifts probably now on reflection to avoid feeling inadequate and I think on a superficial level I might think I wanted him to know I liked him and knew him and knew what to get him but more than that I think I wanted to be liked Mm. and not feel uncomfortable about these feelings I was having And to be fair to him, he did try and raise, you can't afford that. Mm -hmm. I would shut it down and actually get quite angry. Right, right. Which, so in one way, I could put myself as the victim that, oh, I didn't have money. He was from a different class background. He was a man. But actually, I think I wasn't able to raise things. Mm. I didn't know how, I didn't know what the feelings I was having were and kind of would shut it down and keep spending it. And I think looking back, I just didn't know, one, how to have difficult conversations also it was a point in my life where I was really insecure and felt quite inadequate yeah and didn't feel very emotionally safe in that relationship but probably many at that time to raise difficult things and I think it was my fear that I could be laughed at or dismissed so honestly looking back Mm. I think I cut off from my feelings through purchasing and giving and feeling needed like I had a role yeah yeah no but actually that could have made him feel really awkward and he could hear this and think god I had no idea so there's partly how much is our responsibility to raise things but there can be power differentials that can make it hard to raise things as well yeah no it it sounds like a very slightly complicated dynamic and I can I can see why you would have a level of pride I guess Mm -hmm. that would make you want to not feel like you were only receiving in that relationship materially to try and kind of rebalance almost by giving but giving too much definitely and I think when I look back or think about kind of some of the work I do with people gift giving taps into the whole realm around communication doesn't it like if we struggle in understanding and expressing our feelings and asking about those of others it Mm. could be quite fraught So can I think about what am I trying to communicate with my gift giving? So it could be you are important to me. I want to show you I've been thinking of you. Mm. Or can I have a role or Mm. status? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I can can very much see that. I can very much see that. It's really interesting. I mean, one of the people who has really taught me about, I guess, accepting gifts more graciously and being able to trust you know being being given um, a bigger gift is my husband who is a, a generous gift giver um and we have kind of you know if you get into the idea of kind of love languages we have mm. quite different love languages i'm much more inclined to to sort of talk about how i feel and and express in words how i yeah, what I think of somebody or what I appreciate about somebody and I'm I'm more about like little day-to-day actions to try and Mm. make somebody feel happy. Um, Although he's very good about that as well. But yeah, he's not really so much of a verbal person, but he does give really wonderful gifts. And 
it was only knowing because I by the time I got a gift from him, I knew he was a very trustworthy person and a very unmanipulative person. So something had been established by then between yeah. you already. And it, it meant that I was able to, but I still felt a lot of discomfort the first time I got a really good gift from him, a really, you know, a, a very generous gift from him. But I, I sort of, within that context, I was more able to accept it than I have been to from previous people because I was able to sort of say, no, you, you know this person isn't trying to buy a pass for, you know, being neglectful in a day-to-day or treating mm. you badly in other ways because he hasn't done. He's always been really thoughtful and kind and, and so it's not it's not that. So by that point, presumably, there have been some micro gestures and interactions that have built up for you to know him and to feel safer. Yeah, yeah. And to get a kind of understanding, implicit or explicitly, that this this is what this might mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Whereas I think if I look back growing up, um, there was a family that we knew when I was a child where he was very important. The parents were close to my parents, um, where the father in particular was somebody who worked a lot, made a lot of money, but always spent all of it was not a great husband and father, if I'm really honest, was mm. quite neglectful and could be. Yeah, I mean, my parents said some some things that made me understand that, you know, he really didn't treat his wife or his children very well. But there were always gifts. There were always, you know, presents and expensive meals out and holidays. And this, so there that was and a the communication other. with the gifts, but there was a communication in other ways of his treatment, so there was a mismatch. Yeah. There's these gifts that are generous, but his other behaviours didn't feel safe or kind. No, exactly, exactly. And and that was definitely a comparison that my parents drew to, compared to kind of our circumstances where, you know, we were on a relatively lower income and um, sometimes you know, that could be difficult, but um, it was always, you know, you you are loved we are here for you, you know, et cetera. That was, we were always told, you know, you're loved, we're here for you. Um, and we're not, we're not like that guy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Which is a bit harsh for somebody who they were, like I say, quite good friends with. But how <laughs> important that your parents helped put meaning to the behaviours? Because mm. otherwise, sometimes as children, we can fill in the blanks and think, maybe that child's, you know, the story's around Santa Claus. He knows mm. if you've been bad or good. So if you don't get big grand gestures from your parents or Santa, you might fill in the blanks and think, well, I'm naughty. Mm. Whereas your parents are helping you make sense of, yes, we might not be that family with the grand gestures, the big gifts, but we love you. And this is why. Yeah. It yeah, helped no. you make sense of it. So you weren't left to make assumptions. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I think it is really important to have um, explanations like that of what's going on. And it definitely was helpful to have um, have my parents sort of talk about what gifts meant to them. But then you still get their interpretation. <laughs> Again, it's not necessarily always reality as well. It'd be through your parents' lens and their experience and biases. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's interesting as well because um, I think again about what so my parents uh, obviously now older and they come from a slightly different time and I do also think about how even though my mum was quite a feminist and we grew up in a household where sort of gender roles and things were discussed, there's also a really 
a gendered aspect and a gendered aspect in the assumptions that they would make as well. And I think there is a real gendered aspect to gift giving. I don't know if you agree with that as well. I'm not sure, you know. Mm. Um, I think it could be maybe a bit more complex than kind of gender alone. I think gender's kind of embedded, isn't it, Mm. with people's histories. So, for example, my grandma, who was Irish, Mm -hmm. came over to London for work to be a nurse, and my granddad was Welsh and came to London Mm -hmm. to join the police. And um, they were very, very generous. Mm. But it wasn't because they came from backgrounds where gift-giving was there. It was because it was something that they'd never been able to do and hadn't received themselves. Mm. And I don't think it was a a difference between the two of them. Mm. I think as a couple, it was something they did. Yeah. But I think we can tend to, I think sometimes as women, we can feel, if you, for example, if you're on a date mm. and someone might pay... Mm that can feel very awkward. I don't think that is just a male-female because, of course, in gay, lesbian, transgender relationships, it's about power, isn't it? Mm. Whatever the gender is or however someone identifies, it can be how it's talked about, how we agree. I'd be more comfortable if we both paid Mm. or can I understand the meaning behind this gift? It's very generous of you. I feel a bit awkward of trying to understand, I guess, whatever the gender is, it's kind of about intention and context. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a sort of, there's a historical assumption of men paying and women returning by the, reciprocating the gift with their sort of time, emotional support, and um, sometimes with their bodies. But there's, that is a historical context. It's not necessarily how things have to, have to play out, obviously, and it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily how things play out now. Um, but it, I think it's interesting to be aware of that context. Yeah, I think definitely. very much so that they're, in all relationships there's this power, isn't there? Mm. And how much people earn or how much people kind of give in different ways. It's not mm. just money where we give gifts, is it? It could be gifts of our time mm. or gifts of our care. And I, I think that can feel difficult to talk about mm. and to acknowledge. Definitely. It's funny you mentioned dating because when I was dating before I met Jay um, I would actually intentionally arrive early for dates um, because for first dates because I wanted to buy my own drink for the first ah, drink that's interesting I'm terrible I was always late <laughs> no I it was I, I which is also probably something to do with power isn't it unconsciously I can say consciously I can be like I'm late but actually that's quite powerful isn't it someone feeling inadequate waiting at a bar on their own yeah yeah, no, I, I would I would always arrive early so that I bought the first drink. So if I really didn't like somebody, they Did you I didn't owe them anything. I didn't owe them anything. I didn't so much as owe them a, sing, a second drink. Yeah, I mm. could literally walk away after the first drink and say, "Nice to meet you, bye." Um, but there is something to acknowledge there, isn't there, about feelings of safety, mm. being able to just to just leave without feeling indebted. Yeah that I can go and I can end this, that I've got choices here. Yeah, I can absolutely. put a boundary in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think in um, other kinds of dating that weren't, you know, I was I was online dating, so I literally just had the person's profile to go on. Mm. Um, so, you know, safety becomes more important at that point. And I wanted to make the initial interaction as as low stakes as possible, I guess. And then really gradually build up um, from from that point. I think in other types of dating, if I would, was going out to see 
somebody I'd met at a party who knew friends of mine or something like that, that would be a very different thing. But um, when you're meeting with somebody on, you've literally only just sort of exchanged a few messages with online. It's it's um, containing by yeah. by neither giving nor receiving until you really understand somebody better. Well, you're keeping your choices available, aren't you? Mm. That I've paid for my drink, I can go, I don't know anything. Yeah. And yeah. even if, and actually it's important to say, isn't it? Even if someone buys us a drink or lunch or dinner, yeah. you still don't owe them anything. No, exactly. But it can feel much harder to own that. that exactly. I don't owe you anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Because you can feel a bit done to, can't you? If someone does a big grand gesture, mm. it kind of consent comes into this. Like, Hold on a minute. I, I didn't have a choice. We didn't discuss this. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So actually, it sounds like you were really mindful of, I need to think about my location, my safety, my ability to leave. I'll get here on time. I'll buy a drink. Then I can keep making decisions Mm -hmm. that fit with me, Mm -hmm. not just this other person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. I didn't think... Yeah, I hadn't thought about how that gets into it. I'm coming across as very insecure in this, uh, in this conversation in some way. You don't sound like you are at all. <laughs> well, I guess a very ma- well. I mean, I, maybe not in that specific thing, but but very mindful of boundaries and very mindful of um, how people might uh, attempt to, I guess, play on a sense of guilt that <laughs> I, I could have. Yeah. But that's also existing in a context, isn't it? We can't deny we do Mm. live in a society where relationships can be abusive. There's always a power dynamic in relationships. And as a woman going on a date, Mm. you're going to think about your safety, aren't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I don't think it makes you insecure. I think it's a reflection of the societies we live in and the relationships that that we've had. Mm. That we have to think about how do I keep myself safe? How How do I make choices? Or how do I allow myself to question what I'm and, and voice? I'm not comfortable with this. I'd rather pay half. Or I'd like to get my own drink. Yeah. Or yeah, I yeah. feel uncomfortable with your gift. Is it okay to talk about your intention behind it? Because there's a way of almost so the person doesn't feel rejected mm. to understand what what they mean by it. And is, is there another way instead of the gift or the meal or the drink that they could feel a value? Yeah, I, I think there's also something about how because I have seen people do go in for that sort of first date love bombing thing and then mm. react badly if right react as if they are entitled i definitely have seen that happen so some people don't take no well mm. yeah. yeah and actually some people we can kind of pick up on either instinct or kind of a gut of ugh, i i don't feel like this person's going to be receptive to what i'm saying so it's not always not all relationships are equal yeah not in indeed. all relationships can you voice indeed. your needs yeah yeah I mean, yeah, I definitely, I was definitely aware of that in that moment. And I would, I would actually say that I did a completely reasonable course of action in terms of the internet dating. It's just funny talking about that in the wider context of what I've said before about, you know, being, being a bit suspicious of of other people's Mm. giving, I guess. But you'll have those suspicions for a reason. Oh, yeah. And it, and it might not just be social ones, but maybe you're picking up on like it's personal things. Maybe there's mm. stuff that's gone on that makes me a bit more kind of curious or cautious. Mm. And yeah. I guess it's just knowing that we come with those assumptions and yeah. trying to check them out. Yeah. Because some, we all have assumptions, don't we, and prejudices. And it's like, oh, I feel awkward. Can I ask, what yeah. does this gift mean to you? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it can be really tricky, like we touched on before. It can be one try, trying to ask a potential partner in the early days of a relationship because you're also finding out, can we have these discussions? Mm. Does this feel safe enough? But it also can be tricky if if it's extended family, like maybe your partner's mum, as I mentioned earlier. Mm. How do you find out kind of what's the intention behind their gift? Do they want to have a bigger role in your life or more time? And do you feel able to give that? Yeah. And then like in adult relationships, it's how do how do we work out what's negotiable and non-negotiable yeah like yeah. can I put a boundary in place and am I the best person place to do it yeah yeah absolutely let's take a little break there and when we come back again let's talk a bit more about that kind of wider family relationships Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, welcome back. We're talking about giving and receiving expensive gifts and how that can make us feel with the wonderful Dr. Jane Major. So we were just getting on to the idea of parents and in-laws and when wider family start giving gifts and how do we feel about that. So you were mentioning the awkwardness if it's a partner's parents or somebody who's sort of slightly at one remove who's doing the giving. Tell me a bit more about that. Well, I guess it comes back to assumptions. We can all have a gut reaction, like back off. This mm-hmm. isn't your place anymore. Mm. Um, you're stepping on my toes. There can be all kinds of feelings that can be brought up. Or this is just too much. Are you looking after your finances? If it's our own parents, for example, we mm. can worry about them. But it might be how to slow that down and how, how to work out how, how can we have a safe enough conversation about that so we can understand the intentions and the context so on one level, it might be, I want to show you I've thought about you. It's Christmas. Yeah. Another one, it might be, what's my role now? Yeah. Especially as an older family member, they might want to show their love and care, but they also might want to, I don't want to interfere with your couple, but I want to have a role. Mm. And how you, how you negotiate that, because that can be a real minefield, especially at Christmas. 
and yes. worrying about family members' debts or financial situation or your own. Yes, that's interesting because I've just been thinking about how, um, yeah, grandparents who give, I'm thinking grandparents particularly, giving gifts to children as a way of sort of influencing parenting choices. <laughs> no suspicion there at all, Martha. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking of of how I've seen that happen mm. in situations, as well as, I mean, as well as, yes, as as a way of you say of having a role of being a of being able to participate. Mm. Um, I can imagine, especially at the moment where families have not been able to visit each other as much, gift giving as actually as a as a proxy for. Yeah, spending time together is going to be especially important this Christmas. Yeah, yeah. really demonstrating I'm holding you in mind. Yeah. But it's really interesting what you're saying. Almost like power can come into it again. Mm. Of what's being communicated is this type of book or toy mm. better than what I might get, and mm. suggesting that this is how I should parent. Mm. And can that discussion even be had? Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So many things, and so many things that that don't get addressed in families. Yeah. But then can build up. Yeah, yeah. And who's best placed to have that conversation, if at all? Yeah. So, you know, is it is it best if it's the person who has the feelings about it? Or is it best if, as you say, if it is a, a partner's family who's doing this, um, who's doing the giving, or should this go through the partner? And, mm. and should they be communicating? Or should you be communicating directly? I can see that being a real challenge to navigate. And you know that kind of the big times of year, whether you celebrate them or not, kind of Mm. birthdays, Christmas, religious celebrations or name days, Mm. they're predictable, aren't they? Yes. So it can be almost how do we try to discuss them? Mm -hmm. So in some families, they might say we only get the adults presents Mm -hmm. or we'll do a secret Santa Mm. or actually really talk about their financial situation and what people might like and what the intentions might be. Mm. But there's something about it being predictable. It doesn't have to be reactive. Yes. Yeah, that's very true. It's very true. Yeah. I think it also, I mean, as I say, with more conversation just broadly about gifts and how people think and feel about gifts, you can begin to understand each other better. I mean, you talked about your um, your grandparents and how... And and their kind of attitude to giving, which um, I think is really lovely, that they were giving what they were never able to receive. Was that, Mm. yeah, is that right? And I don't think that's uncommon, is it? That sometimes we can want to correct the family script we've had, Mm. particularly if we may have felt like actually I didn't have this and actually how it may have affected us, what we did or didn't have. Mm. And then in turn, when you become parents, what you might choose to consciously change or do differently or what you might repeat. Yeah. Yeah. But it can feel very uncomfortable, can't it, if you're joining a family and you're on the receiving end of something or your children can be on the receiving end of something that you're not comfortable with. So even though if you can plan for it and have the discussions beforehand, Mm. people don't always keep to boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes it has to be a kind of a bit of a tear and repair situation. How do we discuss this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking on the other side as well, if you do come from a a family culture of, of giving, particularly at these sort of big uh, celebration times, birthdays and religious festivals and, and so on, where you might not understand that another family's way of doing things is more low-key. 
I'm mm. sure there are people who think that I or my family are kind of cheap because we that's not how we do things. Um, and maybe we look like we're not really having a good time. Or we're not really celebrating. And that's not that's not true. But we're just a bit more low key about that particular aspect and other things and other points in our um, other points in the year and other other times are how we support each other and show love. So it's it is just a different way of expressing yourself. It's different communication styles. Yeah, and I think that's really important, isn't it? Because I can really relate to that. That my family, my like nuclear, my parents and mm. my brother and I don't really do gifts. Mm-hmm. We might do like kind of a little something, but it's about kind of the rest of the year and time together. Mm. But then the family that I've joined do. Mm. And making sure it's kind of not misinterpreted that we don't not care. Mm. In fact, my family's probably met them a bit more and are doing gifts <laughs> yeah. for the family that I've joined. Um, but it's definitely not something that, as a nuclear family, that we've done. Yeah. And can worry about how that might be interpreted if we don't. Yeah. As, yeah. Then, not more the kind of, less of the cheap kind of thing, but more of the, oh, we don't want people to think we don't like them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's sort of both, right? You don't want mm. it to be seen as being sort of stingy towards these other people or you're not caring equally towards them like Mm. yeah both of those things together really and that kind of there's something really important there isn't that we're touching on of that self-judgment that Mm. we can and that we can believe other people what if they think I'm tight or if they think I've got money problems Mm. and that can be the bit of the minefield where we can try and please these imagined others that might not be what people expect of us and we could get ourselves into financial problems by trying to be what we think people want us to be which sounds like we're back to the situation that you got into with your first boyfriend a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really common at Christmas and birthdays mm. and celebrations of, I think lots of people do feel the pressure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I worked for a really long time in um, the space of kind of anti-poverty work and work around um, supporting low-income families and... Um, the number of families who um, get themselves in debt over Christmas because they really, really want their children to just, even if they've been struggling all the way through the year, they want their children to have that one really special day. Mm. Um, Or who will, you know, really go without a lot through the rest of the year in order to have a, a really special Christmas with a really good gift. Um, even if, you know, that means that January is going to be cold and you know, potentially parents skipping meals and all, all sorts of things that are going to be very, very difficult. Um, but just to really, really make sure that that um, the gift is good at that one time. Um, it's, a, it's a very, very common thing for sure. Hmm. And it's almost like what the gift symbolises. Mm. Like that means that you're good, that you're loved. Yeah. And that you're held in mind. And I, I read this last year mm. about a parent saying to a, a child who believed in Santa that we all have the ability to be Santa. Mm. And maybe it's not about knowing whether people are naughty or nice. It's about holding people in mind and making them feel special. Mm. Like maybe kind of writing someone a nice letter or visiting someone or l- walking someone's dog. It doesn't have to be yeah. a gift. It's lovely. So let's talk a bit about... I mean, we, we've we've talked about what a minefield it all can be. Let's talk a bit about keeping gifts and, and gestures a positive experience all around. So um, 
Let's talk about that from the giving perspective. How can we help to make sure that our gifts and, and gestures are experienced as as generous as a loving gesture? Well, I wonder if it comes back to communication and maybe checking out with people. Mm-hmm. What would you like? Mm-hmm. Um, and and kind of also kind of them them feeling able to tell us what they would like or by being brave enough to say this is my budget mm-hmm. or this is my intention by getting you a gift mm-hmm. i'd just like to show you that that i care or it's just going to be a little something mm-hmm. i'm probably going to spend about five pounds mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like mm-hmm. um having a way of, of of having that discussion yeah yeah and and if the intention is to give something yeah, big and generous because that's that's how you want to, you know, you because you want to express that that your that love and care in that way. What's a good way to sort of build up trust that that is meant in a, in that way and as a as a gift of generosity and love and care? Well, there's something that you were saying, Martha, wasn't there about in your relationship that mm. it was you were able to accept gifts in your relationship based on a context of trust and safety mm. that there were micro kind of communications implicit and explicit that took you to that place where you could see what, it, what the intention was but it might also be kind of letting someone know this is my intention mm-hmm. but there can also be something about being able to receive nice things can't there mm. to let someone be kind to us yes yes and it can that Absolutely. all kind of again comes through communication like if we do feel uncomfortable saying oh I'm, I'm not used to this this didn't happen in in my family which it's hard, isn't it? Because it requires mm. us to be vulnerable and feel safe enough to say that. Yeah. And then might be able to ask, can, can you, I don't, no, I don't mean to be offensive, but can you afford this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes people are like, yes, I, I absolutely can. I really want to, to give this to you. Mm-hmm. And then it's deciding if we feel able to receive it or not. Yeah. Because it, it can feel, it's very hard to, to make it clear. I'm, I, I can't accept the gift, but I'm not rejecting you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that you still can have a boundary in place. You don't have to say yes, Mm -hmm. that your need's important, but it might, it doesn't have to destroy the relationship. How to keep connecting relationally, Mm. even if you're not able to accept something. Like, I want to understand this and I want you to understand that I care about you, but I can't accept this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it, is is that being able to separate the, the, gift from um from the relationship and and say you know this in some ways this wasn't the communication that you whatever your your intentions were in communicating by giving this gift you know it it wasn't quite what I needed from you and actually what I need from you is just the emotional connection that we have and the time that we spend together and that's that's what's important to me Hmm. um and how you know being together our closeness is, is the important part, and so this gift is, I, you know, now I understand the intention is is good, um, but this is, you know, I can't actually accept this, as you say. And it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes when we voice our no, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that someone's going to be okay with that, mm-hmm. and we sometimes have to sit with that discomfort. Yeah. If, if my boundary is this important, yeah, maybe there might this might be difficult for a while, mm. even though my intentions might be good of saying no. But yeah. some people might feel like, oh, I feel really rejected. I don't know how to place myself with that. And then it might be how to repair that, how to talk about other ways of of doing gifts or mm-hmm. or showing generosity. Yeah, yeah. It's so, not easy though. 
you might have to give a person a bit of space for a, for a while afterwards and try and try and show some some love and care back to them but but still give them some space I guess yeah so some space but also reaching out at some point and saying are we okay can we can we yeah. meet because it it can feel very rejecting potentially mm. yeah and it's how to make that differentiation between the gift and the magnitude of the gift not mm-hmm. you yeah 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 Definitely. Of course, much more difficult when you're rejecting the gift and potentially you don't feel able to give more to the person mm. of your time or emotions. Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. That's very true. And then if you are somebody who realises that you your discomfort is actually misplaced, you, you mentioned um, feeling maybe undeserving of a gift or... Mm. or um, feeling like a gift was too much but actually you know the person is happy to give it they can afford it and you have no reason to mistrust their intentions do you have any tips for kind of getting over that that feeling of discomfort of accepting something when actually you know what this this isn't really a good reason for not accepting do you know, it's interesting when you were talking then, I was thinking about the analogy that some people use when talking about receiving compliments. Mm. And that they suggest that you imagine that someone's got you a really thoughtful gift. They've either spent some time on it or they've baked a cake. Oh. They've wrapped it up. It's really beautiful and they hand it to you. Mm-hmm. And with compliments, many people are terrible at accepting them. Mm. And kind of you reject it and change the subject mm-hmm. and think how that might feel. Mm. And I wonder if, and actually sometimes then... We, we don't take in any of the good. Mm. Our, when we feel down, we can automatically feel low because we haven't got any of these compliments or things that build our self-worth stored there. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this is quite similar with an actual material gift or a gift of time or anything. Mm. Of If we can recognise, maybe this is my stuff, maybe it's misplaced here. Mm. Maybe it's, it might be okay to let this in and say thank you. Yeah. And just to kind of make space for these a variety of feelings which might be awkwardness and gratitude and maybe make space at some point to think about why that might be but that maybe I can let this in and allow myself to enjoy this and thank this person yeah yeah just give ourselves a bit of space to be cared for to be loved Mm. um, in a material way and that that can be okay yeah because it sounds like that's something that you've worked on yeah 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 it is it's definitely tricky um it's definitely something i think i still work on to a certain extent but yeah it, if you can allow if you can allow yourself to be i guess nourished actually mm. by by another person by being given to it, it can be quite healing actually mm. it can be and it can change a power dynamic, can't it? Sometimes it can lessen it. It can mean that we can take turns in being the carer and the cared for. Mm. And that maybe there was something of allowing yourself to be cared for and nourished with gifts that felt may have felt quite scary before, but you felt safe enough to receive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it can it can be quite special and it does um yeah, it it allows for a different balance, I think in a relationship in a really good way yeah mm. and that's an important part not to leave out of this discussion isn't it that giving and receiving can feel nice and can be a nice part of relationships oh yeah 
absolutely and it's about kind of turn taking and how we do that how we allow ourselves to care for others but also receive care back yeah definitely I think that's that's especially true if you do have slightly different styles of giving and of of showing affection and and also that you you know some people can end up in a dynamic where they feel that they have to give all of the time Mm. so allowing yourself to receive if you are somebody who's always felt like they have to be the caring one they have to be the giving one um letting go and and saying actually it's okay for me to receive as well um it is a yeah it's there's a moment of vulnerability in it Mm. um in receiving but there's also um a moment of allowing yourself to be supported and it does build you up so yeah it can be very powerful I think that's a really important part because that can be quite an unconscious power dynamic, can't it? If I'm always the one that cares for the other mm. and I don't allow myself to be cared for. Yeah. Allowing a more equal relationship where I can allow myself to receive from and be cared from you as well. Mm. And you can be cared for by me that we can take turns. Yeah. But sometimes we might not be used to equal relationships because of our past. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This has indeed been insightful and interesting thank you jane so much i know you're actually on sabbatical for a while um but where can our listeners find you if they want to see more of your work so they can find me at the room between.com but as you say i'm having a bit of a sabbatical Mm -hmm. but i will be back at work in the near future Excellent. Well, we really appreciate you coming onto the show and sharing all your wisdom for us today. And thank you very much. And I hope you have a wonderful time on your sabbatical. Thank you. It's been really interesting. You've been listening to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money with me, Martha Lawton. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love one of those nice five-star reviews too. Or you can tell a friend about us, maybe somewhere on social media where we're at Pod. You can also find us at squanderlustpod.com where we put show notes, useful links and ways to support the show. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Alicia Cunningham, Charlie Brandon King and Tom Berry. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.